You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. crazy watching all those kids up there on the screen. Jackie and I got here 11 years ago. Some of them weren't even born. And now it's amazing. Some of them are actually taller than me. What the heck is going on? But anyway, good morning, South Bay. It's great to see everybody here today. For those of you online, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Happy Mother's Day. Shout out to my mother-in-law. I know she's watching. And to my sister-in-law, Jerry Ann. If she's watching, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Well, it's, uh, again, just a uh, Things are off to a great start here. I feel like I could just kind of shut it down now, and some of you are probably very appreciative of that, and you can get on with your Mother's Day. But uh, I did want to state that we're going to go ahead and uh, we're interrupting our series on the letters of the church in Corinth in order to uh, study a passage I feel is a little bit more fitting when it comes to Mother's Day. Where's my remote? There we go. Having said that, I will warn you, this passage is not your typical Mother's Day passage. You know, over the years, uh, we've studied out a lot more obvious biblical passages about moms. Uh, we have Jesus and his mother, Mary, uh, as we saw earlier today with Timothy, his grandmother, Eunice, and his mom, uh, John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth. But this morning, you know, and, and again, I think with that too, uh, how many of you moms are familiar with the Proverbs 31 women? Yeah, and I, there, were, there, was a, there was kind of a mixed response on that. Which, you know, as my wife has reminded me, you know, we, we have this situation where the Bible talks about this woman who's a wife, a homemaker, a merchant, you know, and the list is just kind of endless, which, uh, you know, when we're talking about the uh, Proverbs 31 woman, my wife reminds me that she had a few servants in that mix to kind of help her out and out with things. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily a very good uh, analogy to look at, other than the fact that I know our moms really strive to be godly moms. Amen. You know, uh, and again, with that Proverbs 31 woman, there's this aspect of uh, her maybe being perfect. Uh, you know, and bottom line is there are no perfect moms. I guarantee you, if you were to pull her kids aside or her husband aside, they, they, they'd probably kind of pull it back a little bit from what the passage talks about. But I think the biggest thing, just really understanding is moms and everybody else in this mix, none of us are expected to be perfect. Amen? Amen. Uh, you know, and I, I think for some of us, when it comes to Mother's Day, it can be a little funky, right? I mean, just keeping it real. Um, I, I look at my situation. My bio mother wasn't perfect, but I'm very, very grateful that she was so selfless that she was willing to give me up for adoption. My adoptive mother wasn't perfect, but I think with all of that and with all we experience, it's amazing when we get God in the mix because God can use whatever it is. You may have had an amazing mom. You may not have had such an amazing mom. Some of you today, I know you've lost your mothers. So this can be a day of a lot of mixed emotions. But I want us to take a look at the scriptures and how God feels about all of us. And there's a situation I think that'll help us bring it to life a little bit. Again, when it comes to mothers, they are amazing. There's so many different things that they have to do, but none of them are perfect. And 
Hopefully this morning what that does is it takes a little bit of the pressure off when it comes to motherhood. Uh, I think when it comes to kids, I think really understanding that, you know, I think it goes without saying, we all got moms in the mix, right? In some way, shape, form, or another, we wouldn't be out here without a mom. And I think as kids, we need to understand there, there are no perfect kids either, right? I'm not getting a whole lot of agreement on that. Maybe that's a whole other lesson we need to take a look at. But anyway, I do want us to keep in mind that when it comes to our relationships, there needs to be a lot of grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, and that this is who we need to strive at to as godly people. Amen? In Mark 2, verse 7, oh, it's already up there. Mark 2, verse 17, it says, I didn't come for people who don't think they need a doctor. I came for people who know they're sick. You know, most parents that I know are doing the best they can. For us as adults, our parents did the best that they could. Now, could we do better? Should we do better? Yes, and with God, I believe we're capable of doing just that. With God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we have this amazing opportunity to be the best we can for God, mother, father, son, daughter, niece, nephew, whatever, or whoever you want to put out there relationally, especially if we really answer the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now remember, I mentioned that this is not going to be a typical Mother's Day passage, and with that in mind, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. These floods feel a little warm up here today. Anyway, 1 Kings chapter 3. In this particular passage, we're told that there are two women that come before King Solomon to ask him to judge or render a decision on kind of a troublesome situation or matter that they have. Now, with this, Solomon had the reputation of being this incredibly wise guy, so people were in the practice of going to King Solomon because he had the wisdom of God. Now, a little bit earlier in the, in the passage in chapter 3, we see that God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he told him he could have anything he wished. It's kind of cool, right? Now, what would you ask for if God told you you could have anything you wanted? Oscar? No. <laughs> I'm not, you're, you're just, you kind of pop in that green, brother. I mean, you stand out over there. Be careful what you wear because you might get called out from the pulpit. But anybody, anybody, if God gave you the opportunity to have anything you wanted, you're way more spiritual than I am, my brother. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome, though. Anybody else? Oh, come on. After that response, nobody else wants to dive in there because people are thinking money, they're thinking cars, they're thinking big homes, all that stuff. And I'm not going to put any of the rest of you under. After that spiritual response we've got, we'll just go ahead and move on here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So rather than asking for riches, the thing that Solomon asked for was wisdom. You know, he, he could have asked for a Lamborghini chariot. <laughs> there were Italians back then. I guarantee you they had an upgraded model. He could have asked for a, he could have asked for any number of things, cars, long life, money, you know, more gold, whatever. But his the thing that he wanted was wisdom. He wanted to have a discerning heart. And it, it's just awesome how God responded. And that because of his humility and what he asked for, God gave him all the rest of it anyways, probably because he knew this guy would be a decent steward of it. So with that understanding, the fact that Solomon had this discerning heart, 
people went to Solomon for justice. And in this particular passage, we see that his wisdom is put very quickly to the test. There were these two women that we see here that went to him. Each had a newborn child roughly the same age. And something tragic happened that facilitated their need to see the king in order for them to settle this dispute. Let's go ahead and pick up in 1 Kings 3, verse 16. You guys are on it back there, way ahead of me. Okay, so let's read about it here, picking up in 1 Kings 3, verse 16. It says, now, two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord. The woman and I live in the same house, and I have a baby. And while she was there with me, the third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by my breast and put her dead son, or put him by her breast and my dead son by my breast, her dead son. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son that I had born. The other woman said, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. What a tragedy. Yeah. I just, what a tragedy. You know, as we can see, both of these mothers in this particular situation were struggling. I'm sure they both were full of anguish and heartache. One, because her baby was dead the other because her baby was taken. And they were both de desperate, and out of desperation, they seek justice, and they find themselves before King Solomon. Now, I think if we were to we take a closer look here, one of the mothers could be classified as cruel, selfish, and heartless. I mean, during the night, she laid on her newborn child, and it died. And this is traumatic. I mean, this is incredibly traumatic for sure, but... She took her dead child and replaced it with her uh, roommate's living child, hoping she wouldn't notice. What a, what's, what a cruel, selfish thing to do. Now, one of the things that we can see here is that a godly mom knows her child. Moms have a maternal love for their children. You know, we see this in the first passage. This is what the Bible says in verse 21 that the first mother who was deceptively given the dead child in the middle of the night, she examined him in the morning, concluding that this wasn't her son. And the implication here is that this mother really knew her own child. She was able to tell that this other child had been placed next to her in the middle of the night. Now, keep in mind the period of time we're dealing with. They didn't have electricity. They maybe had an oil lamp that, generally speaking, by the course of the night, would have burned out before morning. So it wasn't until the sun came up that she had the opportunity to really see this child that was next to her. And you know, when we think about this, at least for me, I know uh, for me, one newborn baby pretty much looks like another newborn baby. Uh, I'm not real good at being able to tell the difference. Um, maybe it's a guy thing. You know, I'm, I'm like some of you, I, I spent a certain amount of time in hospitals and we see these newborns and I mean, come on. You got a child that's like a day or two old. Oh my gosh, she's got my father's house. I mean, you know, just mama's eyes, daddy's nose. 
somebody else in the family's mouth. I'm like, come on. I'll never, remember, I'll never forget Cadence and how Jackie and Shailene responded to when they first saw her. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to get lynched in the parking lot. But the bottom line is, to me, a newborn looks just like any other newborn. It's a young newborn baby. The other thing that really amazes me is you can have a household of a whole bunch of moms and a whole bunch of babies. And I mean, there's, you know, there's a little bit of din going. There's a little bit of noise as they're doing their thing and hanging out. The moms, not the babies. But all of a sudden, you'll hear a baby cry. And in the midst of all that noise, one mom pops up and goes into the other room to see what's going on. They even recognize the cry of their own child. This mother in 1 Kings 3 knew immediately that this child was not her own because she knew every detail of this child. This is what mothers do. Godly moms love their children. She looked at the color of his eyes, his facial, facial features, his length. Uh, maybe there were certain birthmarks, the way he cooed and cried. And this is exactly how specific God knows each and every one of us. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, I love this passage. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And this is how amazing our God is. Each and every one of us that have life, God breathed that life into us. As that sperm and egg connected, God knew immediately what was going on, the DNA that would be combined to form each and every one of you. And he knew you at that moment in time. And this is the amazing God that we serve. He wants that relationship with us. He views us just like that mother who knew that her child had been replaced. You know, with this in mind, let's go ahead and continue here in verse 23 of 1 uh, Kings. Verse 23 says, the king said, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead. While the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me in the CSI team. <laughs> Some of you guys are a little bit quicker on the uptake than, than others. <laughs> Crime scene investigators. I need a DNA swab. I need a DNA test. No, it's, you know, a little bit before their time. What he says is, bring me a sword. Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And I told you, this wasn't a normal Mother's Day sermon, right? Just wanted to refresh your memory. I set you up on the front side with this. Verse 26, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, Lord, Give her the living baby. Don't kill him. And the next response here is even more mind-blowing, in my opinion, than what we've seen in light of what already had transpired. The second mother said, Neither I nor you shall have him. Cut the child in two. Whew. There's some stuff going on there. Another time, another message. Godly moms are sacrificial. Godly moms are sacrificial. They're willing to sacrifice for their children. 
Godly moms are willing to give up things in order to bless their children. You know, we see sacrifices seen here right in this text in verse 26. It says, again, right after Solomon issues the order to divide the child in half, verse 26, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. See, more important here than defending herself and arguing her case, the real mom was willing to give up her son entirely so he could live. Give her the living child, she cried. Godly moms will sacrifice for the children. You buy them the best things you can afford, sometimes even if it means going without things yourself. You take them to practices, to school events, doing homework with them, social events, even if it means giving up most of your own personal time and well-being to facilitate that for your children. You encourage them to participate in sports, band, and the myriad of other activities that are out there, even if it means more work for you. And let's not forget the most important thing for them, modeling for them your relationship with the Lord. You fight to bring out the best of themselves in them through your own example. Real moms care for, nurture, and provide for their child, sacrificing their own wants for the needs of their child. You know, there's an uh, insurance company by the name of Legal and General Insurance. They, they're a life insurance company. And they did some research on moms. And they, they broke it on down, all the different categories they fulfill and how many hours a week it takes to fulfill each one of those categories. They're a chef, chauffeur, teacher, housekeeper, counselor, event planner, detective, caretaker, judge. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Now, we'll see how many mathematicians are in the group here. They combined those categories, and they added up the hours that were involved in the course of a week, and it said that it would equal 183 hours a week. So there is a mathematician in here somewhere. Someone something about that's kind of hard to do. Why? Because there's only 168 hours in a week. Well, I, I've got that for you, too. I've got that for you, too. The, they, they put a replacement value on that, okay? And I don't know what demographic area that, that was set up in, but they said it's worth about $184,000 annually to replace. So that's kind of a ground level, you know, for those of you who are thinking about docking off your spouse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Verse 27, let's just go ahead and move along here. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of value to moms and what they bring to the table, amen? In verse 27, then the king gave this ruling, give the living baby to the first woman, do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had the wisdom from God to administer justice. You know, Solomon's wise decision here was something that reverberated throughout the land, and it filled the people with this amazing deep degree of respect and awe for the wisdom that he had rendered in this particular situation. For me, ultimately, this points back to our Father in heaven. Unlike each of us, God is perfect, amen? amen. Jesus, Holy Spirit, perfect. Jesus was a perfect son. And as the mother recognized her own child, God recognizes us. He knew us as we were formed in the womb. God is compassionate and sacrificial. And he demonstrated his unconditional love for us, as this mother did in 1 Kings 3, by being willing to sacrifice her child 
her rights to her child and justice so that her child would live. And isn't this exactly what God has done for us? God sacrificed his best, his child for each and every one of us so that we would live now and for eternity. So what I would like us to do for just a moment here is take a moment to reflect on your earthly mothers or those who've been great motherly figures to you on this Mother's Day. But more importantly, as we go to communion right now, let's think of the love and the sacrifice demonstrated by Jesus Christ on the cross and let us reflect on God and his amazing outpouring of love for us. Amen? Happy Mother's Day. Let's go ahead and go to the Father in prayer. Father God, I just want to come before you very humble this morning, uh, just realizing who I am before you, uh, the sins that are a constant part of my life, the sins that Jesus Christ died for, and the fact that you had this willingness, this ability to send your son so that I can have a relationship with you. Father, each of us here this morning are so grateful for that opportunity. We're grateful to be able to have this time just to reflect on what an amazing dad you are and the extremes that you would go to and how amazing Jesus Christ is and that he was willing to submit to your authority even though he was hoping, as we see in the prayer in Gethsemane, that there might be another way to facilitate your plan. He submitted thoroughly to you. And because of that and his sinlessness, he rose from the dead to give us the opportunity to raise to a new life as well. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this time this morning as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine. Help us to just pause for a moment with an amazing sense of gratitude for what a great father you are and just the lives that we've been blessed with, the mothers, the fathers, the parents, the friends, the family, that give us the opportunity to really have support and to live life to the full. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.